Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 89. In today's show, we'll be talking to Lee Carraher of Double Forte PR and Digital Marketing about her book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees. Lee's going to tell us how to build a great culture in this environment of constant change and inspire lifetime loyalty from your employees that goes far beyond a paycheck. Good morning, Lee. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Guys, it's awesome to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you here today to talk about your new book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees. This is such a timely topic in today's environment. Tell us what inspired you to write the book. You know, my first book, which is Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work, was really about how boomers and Xers could work with millennials in a positive way. And every time I talked about it, people would say, oh, my God, those terrible millennials, they're job hoppers, they're not loyal anymore. And I would have to debut them of that topic quickly. And really, I want to not focus on the job hopping as much as I want them to focus on the fact that anybody can be loyal to a company for their entire careers and not just when we pay them, which by definition may not be loyalty at all. Tell us what you mean by that. So a lot of the time we think about lawyer loyalty, employment loyalty. Oh, are they loyal to you? Well, you're paying them. Right. So <laughs> yeah. is that so you know real loyalty? <laughs> there is a transaction going on there, right? Real yeah. loyalty is when I'm not paying you and you do whatever you can to help me because you feel inspired to do that by the quality of the relationship, the quality of the experience, that you're a good person, whatever it is. So if we stop thinking about our employment sort of relationships and start thinking them about say, sort of a lifetime value of an employee, regardless of whether we pay them or not. One, it's a much more sustainable way of doing business. It's a much more positive way of doing business, and it's a much more profitable way of doing a business. So my book is really for leaders of all sizes of organization to start helping them sort of flip the mindset on this because millennials, those people who are this year, 16 to 36 years old, they do not anticipate staying in a job very long. And if you are a boomer or an Xer, you may have had a much longer point of view on how long you should stay in a job at all. But if we just get past that and thinking about it long-term instead of short-term, we can create a much more positive environment in all workplaces. Yeah, this is really relevant. You know, you think about this through the lens of the small business owner entrepreneur that uh, is an employer and, you know, more than half of those employers are over the age of 50 right now. Right. So they grew up in this other workplace Mm -hmm. (laughs) where the value proposition was, I paid you. So that is what you got (laughs) in return for employment. And that was enough. And now we're basically saying, hey, the game is completely changed. The game has totally changed. And I think, you know, it may not be small company that really helped change the game. It's probably more publicly traded companies that started changing the game. No reason for someone to be uh, blindly loyal to an organization. Because when the economy has taught us and millennials parents, so people who work for me are 
their parents are my age. It's very disheartening. But <laughs> I they, hear have, you. <laughs> yeah, they have told um, their children, their adult children, do not count on a company because I did. And the economy slammed into that company and we lost our jobs. Ten million of us lost our jobs in 2008-2009. And we are still living with a repercussion of that big gap in employment, don't count on a company, particularly a publicly traded company who is not necessarily in control of what they do every day to carry you, even if you're doing a good job. So they know this. The economy has taught them that they've seen their parents struggle with it. So there's a different mindset around employment today for younger people than for me, at least. And I'm the last year of Boomer coming into the workplace where I thought I was going to be at every job for a long, long time. And I wasn't. Actually, the longest job I've had is the one I created at my own company. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Right? So, you know, we have to get rid of the bias towards people who stay longer and feeling like we were betrayed if people take care of their own career at the expense of leaving your company because your company doesn't afford the person what they want at that moment. It doesn't mean that they wouldn't want to return, that they wouldn't be more valuable by returning later to you. And if we just have a longer view of that person and how they might be valuable to the company over their entire lives, it's just much more productive. And the boomerang principle in general is the belief that those companies that allow and encourage former employees to return have a strategic advantage over those that don't. And over 50% of companies in this country either written or a silent policy against rehiring people. And I think that's really short-sighted. So I, my whole book is about how to take the long view for a more sustainable business. Lee, going back just a minute uh, regarding some of the businesses and what businesses are, are wrestling with. And one of those mm-hmm. is initially getting their team engaged as a beginning starting point. And now we're talking about loyalty. And I love both topics. And I wonder, is working on getting the team engaged and building loyalty something they can do simultaneously? I think one is dependent on the other. So engagement in terms of, you know, in um, what you're doing and sort of waking up being looking forward to and the people whom we work. Engagement, I call it positivity in the workplace. And what we know is that those places that are positive actually outperform those places that aren't positive. And engagement comes with lots of things. And for Millennials in particular, it comes along with being mentored, having opportunity, having lots of feedback, appreciated. And these things often give millennials a bad rap. I have found in my own research that when you create an environment where a millennial is engaged and thriving, boomers, Xers, and silence also thrive, but the reverse may not be true. And then when you create in a, a place that's engaging and thrive-centric, you are creating a place where people can advance their own life goals within the confines of your company. And we can't imagine that any one company, no matter how large or small, could actually hold everybody in it in their own life goals. But we can imagine that they would have a great experience at our company and learn things that then they would be able to translate into something next step is for them, either for a life choice or career choice, and that they will be advocates for us as they go out in the world. And 
If you think about everyone who leaves you today can help you or hurt you, in today's social media world, you can be hurt or helped by any former employer. And neutral is hurt, but if neutral is all you can get, you know, go for that. And how do you focus on creating something where someone says, you know what, you should go to that company. And they treated me right. I worked my butt off, but I had lots of opportunity. I learned these skills. If I was looking for a job right now, I would totally look at those guys. Or maybe they're an advocate for you with other businesses. You know, we have choices between Acme and Joyride Company. Let's go with Joyride, man, because I work there and I can tell you they have high integrity. They follow through on their contracts. They don't let things down. You know, if you have that kind of alumni group out there working on your behalf just because they know you and they are appreciative of the experience that they had when they were with you, you're already have a bigger footprint than you did without that person having left you. And so those are two things are hand in hand, engagement and loyalty. And you're painting a really nice picture there of what a nicely loyal company sort of looks like and feels like from the outside and inside. Is there sort of a gold standard or examples of companies that come to mind that are really representative of great companies? In terms of companies where people come back to over and over again that are large, you know, LinkedIn and PayPal here in the Valley, Silicon Valley, are known for boomeranging, having people leave and return. At PayPal, actually, if you return within two years, you pick up your benefits. So if you had, you know, if you had worked up to five weeks of vacation and work towards a a sabbatical, you just pick up five weeks of vacation. Again, you have to start at the beginning. Smaller companies like my own, I mean, this company, we have rehired, we're only 35 people, 15 years old, 35 people. And in that 15 years, we have rehired 12 people and we've rehired people twice. So they've had three times, you know, they've had a third stint here at Double Forte. Lee, how do you create a boomerang engine within your company? I think the first piece, like we talked about, was the engagement piece is the first part, right? Having a great experience while you're there in the company. The engine of the boomerang, uh, of boomeranging, bringing people back in any way, shape, or form, is really an alumni program, a corporate-sponsored alumni program that is managed not by sort of rogue employees on LinkedIn, but managed from inside the company at as high a level as possible, usually not in HR. Usually it's in marketing or it's out of the CEO's office. Sometimes it's in communications. And that keeps former employees connected to the organization with emails and events and all that kind of stuff. McKinsey, the consulting firm, has created an alumni program that very few companies will be able to reach in terms of how they do things. They've dedicated one person in each office of McKinsey to their alumni program. They have a private network that tens of thousands of people are on, that they're networking among each other. They have events, they have training, and all that kind of stuff. But just because the gold standard for them is a heavy program does not mean that we all can't have a very robust alumni program that doesn't take a lot of time and is not very heavy in terms of cost that keeps our former employees attached in a network with emails, events, and even giving trainings or special offers over the course of a year so that people who've left us know what the heck is going on. 
Lee, there's two things here that I'm hearing, and it's, it's interesting because they almost seem to be in a little bit of a paradox. The one is sort of around creating employee loyalty, which would suggest longevity and creating engagement so they stay. And the other one is around maybe changing the way that the employer views the workplace and views the worker contract and thinking about it from the space of how do I bring talent in and be more upfront about what this relationship is going to look like and give them experience and help them grow so that they can take that to their next place and leave in a state where they become a net promoter for me forever, basically. Mm-hmm. So how can you square that for me? Let me square it for you first. When you hire someone, you know they're going to leave you, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we know Absolutely. they're going to leave us. What we know about the younger cohort is they're going to leave us sooner and we want them to leave in general. And what has happened in many businesses, and I've interviewed more than a thousand people on this topic, is that in many places there is a, an anger or a resentment towards these people who leave before the company wants them to. So why should I put any time into you know training these people? As soon as I get someone trained, they leave and I have to train another one. Well, if you have that attitude, the person knows, right? If the person doesn't feel, if a good person, a top performer, 25%, doesn't feel like their cohort around them is invested in their success, they will go find something else, you know, in the millennial group. So if you don't worry about them leaving, forget that attitude and just do everything you can to make that person as valuable as possible as fast as you can, which means doubling down on training, doubling down on mentoring, doubling down on onboarding in an effective way. What we actually find is that people stay longer than they thought they were going to stay because we've demonstrated they were interested in them. We've given them extra tools to make them more valuable to us because that they're going to leave fast, so make them as valuable as possible. It actually helps people become more valuable and they actually like the experience more it has the reverse effect, right? You actually, people stay longer. People, particularly millennials, know they have to craft their own careers. Know from their parents, they know, don't stay too long. Don't look stale. I stayed too long and flat-footed in 2009. There's a lot of data on resume bias by hiring managers. So, well, he stayed there for seven years. What what was going on there? You must, you know, unless you see a lot of elevation. So this group knows not to stay very long unless there's a lot of value out of staying. So the squaring of these what seems like a paradox is actually sort of getting rid of the old paradigm and creating a new one that is the top 25 percenters, those people who are going to make or break our companies, they are really in the catbird seat, right? And everyone's going to want them. They're not enough of them ever, top performers. And what can we do to help them create their own careers, constructs of our own companies, so that they become so valuable in our environment that they, you know, they're over-indexed in their return on our investment in them? And that actually has the benefit of demonstrating that the company values that person's participation, effort, which is ingredient in engagement in workplace. I get it then. I think it's like any other problem. You have to realize that you do have a problem. And as a, as a business owner, your problem could be around some cynicism 
that mm-hmm. good people are leaving quickly and that they're no longer just staying because you're paying them. And it really, you have to change your thinking around this if you want to make progress. Payment is not enough, right? Payment is enough. Um, they are looking for more than one bottom line. They're looking for a bottom line that includes personal value alignment with their company values. One of the first questions that large companies report that millennials ask for in job interviews is, how many volunteer days do I get? I mean, can you even imagine asking that 20 years ago? <laughs> and can I bring my dog? <laughs> I have a story about a dog, which I'm happy to share with you, which totally... Oh, please do. Oh, my let's, gosh. Let's have it. Let's have okay, it. Okay, so... I wrote my first book, Millennials and Management, after failing miserably with uh, retaining my company. When I started my company, I didn't hire anybody who didn't have at least 10 years of experience. So by definition, they're about 32 years old. When in 2008 and 2009, when everything changed, you know, if we're in business, any sort of economic impact, so an economy impact, either a large client leaves or something region or in 2008, 2009, it was the entire world's economy, except for China changes. You have to look your business model to say what put me into this downturn, whatever that is, micro or large, is not going to be the business model that takes me out of this downturn. And I had learned this, you know, the 2009 downturn was my fourth downturn as a leader. <laughs> so I looked at our I said, we cannot just hire people with 10 years of experience anymore for a a lot of reasons. So we started hiring millennials. I didn't know what a millennial was. I didn't think anything of it because in my previous job, I'd had over 750 people under 30 who worked for me. And I was, you know, no one left my organization and everybody wanted to work in my team. And and the first day, so we uh, we hired our first one, Stephanie. She's awesome. And I actually had a meeting uh, early that morning, and I come into work, and there's a dog in the office. And I'm like, where'd this dog come from? <laughs> oh, the new woman brought it. I'm like, what? Uh, well, did did we know the dog was coming? No. Ask if the dog could come? No. Is anybody allergic to the dog? I don't know. And uh, I was like, well, let's find out about people being allergic first, right? And she just didn't bring her dog. She brought in a big dog pillow. She brought in a water filtration system and she brought in a kibble dispenser. <laughs> Day one. Was this a big giant dog or was this a purse? So let me tell you, this is a service dog. So not only oh, it was boy. really an okay. option for okay. us to get rid of the dog, the dog had the legal red jacket. It was a chihuahua. This is not my opinion <laughs> of what a service dog was. I had never seen a service dog that small. Maybe he was in marketing. Maybe he was like the Taco Bell market. <laughs> well, you know, anyway. So I, was I gotcha. Like flabbergasted. I was, I was like, what the heck just happened? And not only that, she left early that day. I came out of my office after I was like, all right, I'm just going to go in there. I came out of my office. I was like, what happened to the girl with the dog? Oh, she left. I'm like, it's 3.30. Well, she had to go to San Diego. She won't be here tomorrow either. I'm like, wait, did we know she was leaving early? Did she ask if she could leave early? Did anyone talk to her about the fact you don't not come to work the second day of work? No, no, no. I'm like, I got on the phone with people who had already hired this cohort. Like, this just happened. Uh, What do you think? And they're like, oh, my God, these millennials are so terrible. I'm like, (laughs) what's a millennial? They had no clue. I thought they were Gen Y. What the heck happened? And 
we figured it out with Stephanie and she left the company a few years later because her mother was quite sick in San Diego, but we're very close still and we figured it out. But I'll tell you what happened. Within a month, I had nine freaking service dogs in my office <laughs> because she ran the side business of getting everybody the legal red jacket. So wait, so so these were not legitimate service dog? Oh, no. I mean, it was a chihuahua. It was not like, oh, no, I get it. I thought I saw someone across the street. No, (laughs) they're called mental health dogs here in San Francisco. And this is the woman who does not need a mental health dog. Let me tell you. So all of these dogs got certified as uh, service dogs with the red jacket. So I basically had a kettle going on in the office, which was fine. I mean, but all the other dogs were not from millennials. They were from older people. (laughs) So that was the dog story. So it took a You know, we're coming out in 2009, 2010. It took us a long time to be able to hire lots of millennials. And we ended up hiring six people who spanned the whole range of the millennial age range within eight weeks of each other. And they were all gone within three months. And we walked a couple and a couple walked on us. And one person, I had never had 100% failure in recruiting in my career, ever. And I was like, wow, one person could be them, but six people had to be us, right? There's no possible way we made six mistakes in this, in an environment where there's so much opportunity there. I mean, it was a, it was a hiring market. We were in the catbird seat at that time. And I went and talked to my friends who also were so negative about millennials. Then I researched it and everything was so negative about millennials. You know, an entire generation cannot be entitled. It's statistically impossible. So I decided to ignore everything I read about millennials and go back to the beginning just so we could figure it out. Because, you know, our business model then was counting on millennials to be there. And because, frankly, if you don't have a business with millennial, you don't have a business with a future. And so my first book came out of that experience of figuring it out. And figuring out how to create an environment where millennials could thrive and you didn't have to get, you know, your high standards of work, which everyone was worried about, and you didn't have to care and everyone couldn't benefit. So that was my first book. This book is also about intergenerational workforces, which is where we are four generations in the workplace right now. And we're going to be there for at least another 20 years and each generation its own stuff and how do you create a positive intergenerational workforce when their technology divide is so dramatic and the impact of it is so dramatic the economic divide really those before there's really three groups or 2008 group and now where those people who have experience based based on those big things can find a common ground And this book, The Boomerang Principle, is about really the future of work and how we're going to have people together um, and thinking much more than just while we pay them in terms of having a relationship with those employees. That was a very long answer. I apologize. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's great. It's actually it's a really expansive way of thinking about this, you know, and I love the fact that you take something like the problem with some of the. A millennial, for instance, is it allows us to, I guess, describe a demographic or a cohort. But it also makes us really lazy. We just sort so of talk, oh, well, they're just millennials. Oh, they're just they're just mm-hmm. that, which is, you know, the downside of how our lizard brain works sometimes. And so true. And I love that you were able to, from a leadership standpoint, what a great example of saying, hey, you know, 
this can't be about them. At this point, it really needs to be about us. What are we doing? And I think that every business asks that question, you know, what are we doing right now to address this and set ourselves up for success? And so I want to ask you, you know, we talk about McKinsey, huge company, lots of resources and clearly bought in to the concept of an alumni program. Mm-hmm. For the business owner, where, where can a small business owner start? You know, the first step changing their thinking, of course, but from a mm-hmm. practical standpoint, what are some things they could do right now to begin to implement something like this in their workplace? So the first thing you want to do is look at your your employment records and figure out who worked for you. All of them, right? And you must have an, an email for them. You must have a phone number for them. You know, you must have something. And sure. So one, you want to identify everybody. Two, you want to set up the fastest way to do this online is to create a private Facebook group. I would not do it on LinkedIn because of the dynamics of LinkedIn, but I would do it on Facebook if you can't afford to create your private, you know, behind the, you know, login wall on your website. Facebook private are super locked down. They're by invite only. You can control what's in there. Uh, you can control everything about that environment in terms of who's invited and what they can post and all kinds of stuff. And I would start there. Create the private Facebook group. Out to three or four of the people that you probably still know or you still know and say, and say we're starting an alumni group for this company. And I would love input on what would be valuable to you. You know, and you'll find out depending on what company you are, you'll find out lots of different things. So I've helped several companies do this now. And for my company, what we have at Forte, you know, what's valuable to them is that being connected to each other. What's valuable to them is if we have a special deal going on with one of our clients. So, for instance, we, rec- we represent several wine companies. You know, if we get a special friends and family deal, we put that into our private network and they take advantage of it if they want to. $10 off this or 20% off that. You know, it doesn't cost us anything. And the client's already given it to us to extend whoever we want. They value training. So the training that we do in this company, we strip out anything that's uh, proprietary and we provide a webinar within the Facebook group. Also, my company just moved and we're going to have an open house just for the night to come and see what our new office looks like, you know, that kind of thing. So what is that What is that group value? For me, value is being connected. They value having a way to connect with each other without making it weird, you know, and they value training and special deals from the clients if we can get other places might value different things. So the first thing, you know, what is who's those three or four people you could ask in deciding what's valuable to the people who left you? And then it's putting together the plan. So the plan might be an email newsletter, which every company should be doing, adding every alumni to that list, you know, so they're getting the monthly newsletter from you. Number two, twice a year, is there a way to reach out to your alumni specifically around either an event or you're going to a baseball game together as the company? Could you extend it to some of your alumni? You know, maybe the first 10 people who sign up get get to come to the baseball game, whatever it is, that kind of thing. And then on a annual basis, did you send them a holiday? You know, just those little things. It doesn't take a lot of work, right, to do those little things you're already doing for your current employees. I'm not suggesting you treat your former employees better than you treat your current employees, but I am suggesting that it doesn't take a lot of effort to just extend your thought process to the people who used to work with you. And Lee, how about when we're bringing new people in? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to, as part of that warm welcome, 
to set that expectation that you know full well that this is not going to be a lifetime engagement and yeah. maybe what what the offer that you're making to them? Well, I can tell you what I do here is when they go through the Double Forte 101, and then that's a series of videos that I've created for them, and then I meet with everybody for an hour, I say that. I know you don't have to be here. I know you choose to be at this company over some other company. And I thank you for that. And you have made it through our filter as well. A very high standard of people. We want great team players. We have a very standard, high standard of work. Not everybody gets in. At the same time, you have a choice to be here. I also know that you're probably not going to be here as I am. I'm the owner. I have to, you know, the only person who has to be here to turn the lights off is me. I hope you're here for a very long time. And if and when you decide that this is not the place for you, one, I hope you have the respect for the agency to uh, have an open conversation about that because we're going to be in close communication with you about your own development goals to make sure that we are helping you. It's up to you to develop your own career, but we would love to be a place where you could develop your career in the confines of the work that we have. And if this is not the place for you, I will help you be successful somewhere else. So that is a conversation that we have in the first week of coming to work here. And then I would say probably half the people who have left us actually be up on that. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something different. Can you help me be successful somewhere else? Every single time they do, we help them get that job. Or we help them get to school if they're going back to school for something totally different. Um, And I think what we have learned from the people who do not take us up on that is that, you know, they wish they had after they leave. They wish they had because we mean Mm. it. We absolutely mean it. It's like, I mean it when I say someone can help you or hurt you when they leave you. So how can you help them help you? You can help them help you by helping them. Yeah, this is such a big deal, you know, and I think just having that one conversation and setting that tone from day one can help people relax and understand that you are connected to reality. <laughs> yeah, part of the battle, right? You know, it's, I wish it was easy. You know, I mean, it's, it's easy because it's a mindset. I'm not going to worry about that. You know, uh, it took me a while to get to that mindset, but it's easy because I don't worry about it. What I worry about is making this the best place to be possible. And that if if people qualify to be here, because I have a very high standard, that when they're here, they're having, like, if you don't have a sense of humor, you're not making it here at Double Forte, because we laugh a lot here, but we have a really high standard. When I stopped worrying about it, people stopped leaving. It was awesome. Right? So... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it sounds like what you did was you actually shifted your focus to the things that you knew would make a difference. Yeah, and it really came out of this. I had actually in the dot-com boom uh, in 2000 when I was at a different company for a much larger organization. Double Forte is the company. I own this company, but that I started a company for another organization. And, you know, that was a dot-com boom. And in San Francisco, if you had a pulse, you had a job. And my office was a revolving door of people coming in. I got another job offer. They gave me 2% more. Will you counter? And HQ wanted me to keep as many butts in the seats as I could. So we actually have money to counter. And it was exhausting. Like everybody knew they just had to get more money. All you have to do is put a job offer in front of me and I would cave. And uh, I hated it. I hated it. And one day I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And I didn't even have a chance to tell my leadership team that I had made this decision without anybody's input, which of course, well, they liked the decision, so it was okay. But someone showed up in my office the next day. I got a job offer. It's 25% more. And I said, good luck. And he was like, uh, 
wait, what? You're not going to counter me? I'm like, no, I'm not. I hope you really do well at that other company. And I knew that company pretty well. Her name, Sally's, you know, she's a great person. She's built a good company. I hope you do really well there. And, you know, when you want to leave there, call me. Hopefully for you here. And he did not hear that part of the sentence. I didn't even know I was going to say that part of the sentence, guys. I just came out of my mouth. You know, I was like, well, let's keep going on this good luck thing. And he was incredulous because he didn't want to go. He just wanted more money. And <laughs> was, uh, but that oh, was yeah. the that was the paradigm. You got another job. You asked me for money, I gave it to you. And then basically you left six months later anyway, right? Yeah. Um, as soon as yeah. I stopped countering, people stopped leaving. Because I came out of that meet, so he was upset with me. He was mad, mad, mad. And he actually left the company in such a way that he would not be boomerang eligible. I came out of the office after he had actually left the, the building in a huff. And I called a company meeting. I said, all right, let me take my decision last night at midnight. No more countering. We're going to take all the money that I reserve for Put it into here. So tomorrow we're going to the baseball game. I mean, I didn't even know if we had, I mean, I didn't even know if there was a baseball game, but there was, thank God. And we could get tickets and I had the money because I wasn't going to put it into the counter anymore. I said, all is going to be spent on you guys, people who are here, who are not looking for other jobs. We're going to do things. We're going to take that money, use it in a different way. I can't give it to you for a raise and stuff because that's not company policy, but we can make it better here by one, no one's getting countered ever again by me. And the relief in the room, people clapped. It was crazy. I was like, wow, who knew? And that action in 2000 just set me on a whole new path in terms of how to lead and how to create environments that people want to be in. The only transaction is not the paycheck, but the bottom line is things around, well, money matters, right? Money matters, get paid well, good. So money, who you're working with, the work that you do, and the investment the company makes in you that makes you actually more valuable. And I run a PR firm. We are incented to make people more valuable because we charge more for their time. Sure. At the same time, if you don't, if you charge too much per hour for someone who's not ready for it, you know, you lose clients pretty quickly. So that's another ecosystem. We can talk about it another time. So, but you know, anything you can do to make someone more valuable pays back to the company in a higher valuable employee. Right. So it is an ecosystem that gets messy. When you take that whole threat of leaving off the table, Man, it's easier to work. And in this company, I can tell you at Double Forte, which is now 15 years old, you know, we've had people who weren't necessarily happy with the work they had to do or where they thought they could be at a higher level than they actually were. And, you know, I said, you know, Lee, I'm getting recruited. I'm like, of course you are. If I have a company that people aren't recruiting from, I don't have a very relevant agency. He goes, aren't you worried about that? I'm like, nope, not worried about it at all. Because that is worry I can't bar. What I can do is do everything I can to listen to the people to feel relevant in the marketplace and provide the training and the structure that helps people thrive. When when we do that, what we find is that our churn rate is less than the normal churn rate where we operate uh, on the people side and on the client side, almost two thirds less than the normal. So it's all one big ecosystem that I think comes from you can't hold people hostage with a paycheck. Uh, loyalty is not being paid. Loyalty is helping people help you. 
Wow, Lee, I want to thank you so much. It's it's amazing, you know, the span of your experience and how philosophy has evolved and what you've brought to everybody with these books. And we really wish you luck on this new book, The Boomerang Principle, and just so happy to have you here with us today. Craig Shai, it's been so awesome to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? Absolutely. So if you want to take a look at the book before you want to buy it um, and download the first chapter over at LeeCarraher.com, Lee, L-E-E-C-A-R-A-H-E-R.com, and you can download the first chapter. And also there are two assessments take one from the company side are you a boomerang ready company or if you're an employee are you a boomerang ready employee and the assessment how you score on it will point you to certain things you can do to make yourself more relevant in today's marketplace our guest today has been lee Carraher of double forte pr and digital marketing you can learn more about lee take the boomerang assessment for employees and employers and download a free chapter of The Boomerang Principle in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Align for Business at align4business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.